Merritt Street, we're building a new morning show where our guiding principle is to always value your time. We'd love for you to join us. Be part of our community. Each morning will be packed full of news, information, advice, and a lot of fun. And we promise we'll never waste your time. I'm Dominique Soxa. I'm Fanchon Stinger. Join us for Morning on Merritt Street. 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Essential Television. Welcome back, Secret Squad. I'm Robin McGraw, and this is a new episode of I've Got a Secret. If you listen to this podcast every week, you know I'm a huge advocate of following your gut when making decisions. My guest today is someone who shares that in common with me, intuition consultant and celebrity intuition coach, Laura Day. Laura coaches people on how to use their innate intuitive abilities to create change in their lives. Some of her clients include Demi Moore, Nicole Kidman, and Brad Pitt. And what makes her a great coach? Well, she also serves as a consultant to Fortune 500 business executives, advising on business decision using her famed and trusted intuition. This is a topic I am so excited to learn more about. Intuition is such a powerful tool that so many of us don't trust. So this is the secret to going with your gut. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for that lovely intro. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you so, so much for joining me today on I've Got a Secret. I am really, really passionate about this topic. Well, you know, I I love intuition because, of course, it saved my life and it's given me a career. But the thing that I love the most about it is it's a great leveler. Uh, Anyone on the street has intuition. And anyone can use it. And I think that we live so much in a world of have and have nots, somebody and nobodies, and to know that the person sitting next to you on the subway in, you know, ratty clothes actually might have your answer goes to make everyone pretty important. Oh, I love hearing that. Yes, that's so true. And I've always been someone who believes in going with my gut, going with my intuition. I I sometimes will, and I'm going to say jokingly say, but I'm really kind of serious about saying I believe that I'm so in tune with my intuition that I know things. And if I listen to my gut or listen to my intuition, I know things I'm supposed to know and I go with it just from listening to it, just from the feeling. Am I being silly or do you believe that? Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, there there's actually 60 years, and I started as a, as a research animal, basically. I started as a lab rat in the early 80s when universities were, were interested in how the human mind works and what the extended abilities were. There is so much research on things like precognition, which is telling the future, telepathy, which is mind-to-mind communication over a distance, remote viewing, of course, there's so much military research on that, your ability to see someplace at a distance. And then, of course, you can move it in time. There's there's a, a huge body of research. And it used to be actually pretty well funded in the 80s and early 90s. Now we have surveillance tools and, and I think a lot of the military funding that, that started the craze uh, was lost. But the very first uh, documented experiments on telepathy were done in the 50s wow. at Mamamides Medical Center. And they were, they were stunning. And now that we can map the brain, we can actually see that not, not an intuitive, not a psychic, anyone's brain reacts in advance to a picture a computer will in the future randomly generate. So now we can actually prove that the brain does this and that it really, it isn't a belief. It is an innate human ability. The question comes up with how do we use this? Because as with any ability, it's also a disability. Uh Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Wow, that's um, so interesting. I read that you described intuition as free from emotion. Can you explain that? Yes. One of the reasons 
that uh, people listening may not have experienced the clarity of their intuition is twofold. Uh, the first is one of the reasons you can experience it clearly is you clearly are someone who sets a goal where well in intuition we call a goal a target so so you you can perceive your intuition because you're someone who organizes around creating a result um, whether that result is a dinner party or helping someone with a problem or having a good show and we need those targets for intuition and frankly for everything else to be able to organize information around secondly the mind is a messy place and so intuition gets lost gets mixed up in the soup of of emotion and belief and all of these other things whereas into intuition true intuition doesn't come when you have a strong feeling it's when, for example, you're about to go to a party and you very clearly see wheat fields and a man with a snaggletooth and a blue shirt, and you get a sense that this is someone you need to know, and you end up marrying him two years later. So it's, it is, it's devoid of emotion because the minute you have a reaction, that reaction means that it's part of the soup of all the rest of your beliefs and emotions and so on. So one of the things I train people to do is, and, and I do this every morning on Instagram with my group, is to answer a question without knowing what the question is. So I have a little bag of coins and they have numbers on them. And at home, people write down their questions, very dissimilar ones, and we number them. And I pick a number so nobody knows which question they're answering. And then we do readings, not just for ourselves, but for each other on Instagram, and they are stunning. And, and a lot of these people are people who've gone on my YouTube and watched, you know, the three minute video on how to do an Instagram reading. I mean, these abilities are, are really innate. So, so it is important to differentiate, you know, your fear that you're going to be left or die in a fiery crash. That's exactly what it is. Fear because intuition would give it as data. And, and attached to that data would be what to do about it because intuition doesn't give you information that is not actionable. So repression is part of what allows us to function even though life is overwhelming, right? We repress what's unmanageable and your subconscious represses the intuition that you can't really do anything about because otherwise it's not useful. So if your intuition tells you you're gonna die drowning, you're not gonna die drowning. That is your fear. Maybe you saw a TV show as a little kid that you forgot about, about drowning and you projected that is not intuition. Intuition would make you afraid of water and yet give you the sense that you must learn how to swim, for example. You know, or intuition would, intuition uses what you know in your environment to make its point. And everybody has it. And one of the things that I, I speak a lot about is the difference between a belief and beliefs are wonderful. It takes a lot of courage to have a belief because belief is something that you hold as true without proof. Intuition is not a belief. Intuition is a tool. When my students say, well, I don't believe in my intuition, I say, good. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start predicting something like the winner of horse races or the Dow, something every day that has a right or wrong answer. And I want you to track that. And I want you to de detail things like mood, how you slept, because when you go far above chance, you have proof your intuition works. And we really do need to do evidence-based things in our lives because you know belief and faith are, are, are wonderful. But life is mechanical, and we need to have the tools. Wow, that is fascinating. Can I hear an amen? Amen. <laughs> you are that you are fascinating because you just told us so much, and it's so true. The difference between belief 
and intuition. I love that. Can you tell us about consulting businesses using your intuitive talents? So that's really funny. I was about to tell you a business story oh. and you precognitively preempted me. Oh. So for example, I go into places like banks to train their people to work more effectively to make better business decisions. These are not still basically a male dominated industry. And these are not people who believe in intuition. So it's important to set up situations like I do in the morning on Instagram, where they see their own intuition, there's no way to deny it. They probably need five years of therapy after, but then they begin to use it because I'm sure a lot of you have gone to psychics. You can go to a great psychic, but it doesn't really make you believe in intuition. And, and even worse, it doesn't really make you believe in yourself. Whereas when you have a target and you get information you had no way of knowing, then all of a sudden you give yourself a, a kind of a, a permission to engage it because, you know, it's the way we raise children, right? Carrot and the stick, there's the carrot there. And, and the stick is falling behind. So um, my most of my work with companies, I've worked with the same companies now for 30 years, and it's mostly prediction. So I, I, what I love to do is train companies and people, but what, what I'm hired to do pro professionally is basically to predict the future. What I, what I do is I train intuitives now for companies. So I train traders to be better traders and doctors to be more intuitive doctors and you know, salespeople to be able to evaluate their, which language they need to use to make a sale or to package for a market. Um, and, a, you know, a lot of, I mean, I, I, I work with all different industries. And of course, you can only work with one in each industry, uh -huh. because otherwise, you're kind of, exactly. you're working with both competitors. But, um, and, and I, but I really love training people, because I think that people um, initially, you know, take the training, because they want to feel safer in their own lives. And sometimes they take the training because you can charge a higher price point if you're right. So, <laughs> so what? how do you do that, though? Do you go in and sit with them and learn their personality and how no, they do no, something? No, no. no, so intuition works best in the absence of information. I want to tell you about my first Oprah appearance in 19, I think it was 1996. Okay. And... Uh, I was, I was really terrified, you know, not, I'm not, not, it takes a lot to terrify me being on TV, totally terrified me. And Demi Moore held my hand the entire time. I mean, we, I was, I was shaking like a leaf. Um, and, and Oprah came in and said, we'll do this for you. And, but they wanted B-roll. So I, uh, they said, what, what can you do with, Basically, you know, it was in Chicago. It was all young military and their mothers, you know, people who, if you use the word psychic, would have probably a lot of them thought, oh, the devil. Um, and so I had to figure out something that would not be scary to do with the group. So I said, okay, I've got it. So I wrote a question down on a piece of paper and put it in a sealed envelope. And I went out on stage and I said to everyone, I said, okay, I wanna show you something really beautiful. I tried to use very un-new age language that, that your spirit can do for you. And I said, I have a question and it's about you and it's in this envelope. And I'm gonna take you through a little process and I want you to write everything down. And so I said, in a moment, anything you experience in any way, and by the way, I do this every morning on Instagram with my group, anything you experience in any way, something you see in the room, an itch, a memory, a feeling, a person who comes, anything you experience, let your attention float around and just write everything down. Don't make sense of it. And they did. And I gave them, I don't know, two minutes to do it. I said, write fast, because you don't want people to have time to think or get 
stuck. Um, and then I said, okay, pencils down, stop. And I read the question. And that people were in tears. It was so beautiful because this always makes me cry. Because what they saw, and I forget what the question was, but it was something very intimate. What they saw is that they knew themselves in a way that they did not know. They knew themselves, that they had clarity on their own life in a way they did not know they had clarity and that they actually could count on themselves. And what was really beautiful is it was a lot of young military and their mothers. (gasps) And it was, it was really, it was really lovely because, you know, mother and son in a lot of the audience had this same experience of self-discovery together. And it was really, really beautiful. Uh, and then we went on and Oprah and Demi made the book a bestseller. But um, oh. it was really, and I said nothing useful after that. I mean, because, you know, teaching was, it's so fun. You know, teaching for me, I'm a shy speaker. Uh, I know you can't tell because I don't shut up in an interview. <laughs> I love this. Speaker. And, and, um, and, but when I'm teaching, it's not about me. It's about what can you do? And that I find so engaging. And as I tell my students, it's, it's so deeply satisfying to me to make everyone as batshit crazy as I am. I love it. So you don't need to get to know your clients when you go no, into- No, the less I know, the better. No, you know, intuition works best in the absence of information. And it was the same as your question before. Why does intuition, it, why is intuition information in the absence of emotion? The minute that you know a question, uh, so the minute you know the weather forecast, you, you will take, if it says rain, you'll take an umbrella. Whereas intuitively, if you don't know the weather forecast, your intuition will say, take an umbrella or don't take an umbrella. The minute your mind can reason, it can only reason on historical information. And history is not destiny. History is only destiny for people because we tend to repeat the patterns that hold us together. Uh But, But actually the wonderful thing about intuition is if you have never been in love, there is a reason. And it's not how you look, it's not how you talk. There's a reason, there's a subconscious reason, there's a reason that's inherent in your patterns. And if you set a target, of being in love, all of a sudden intuition starts smacking you with new information that may not even be about love. Um, you know, when I wanted to really be in love with with an equal partner and not just someone I took care of, intuition started just showing me my own vulnerability in a way that I had never seen it before with all kinds of information, events, dreams, until I was open enough not to be so ridiculously self-sufficient that that I could let somebody who was an equal in. And I remember the first time my husband, we were in a store and I saw this great pair of shoes. And I said, oh, wow, I love those shoes. And he said, I'll buy them for you. And I looked at him and I said, I'd buy my own shoes, like so nasty. And and my friend who was with me said, said, that's not how you have a relationship. You know, that, that you, you, you say a gracious thank you, but I'd like to, you know, but that, and that it was really, so intuition, once you have a target will help you do something that your training, your history, your beliefs won't allow you to do. (gasps) Wow. Can you just write now for the listeners, define intuition Again, because you have given us so much valuable information. I feel like I want to go back and have you define intuition again. You know, there's so many different definitions, but what intuition is, is mobile attention. It's your ability to be anywhere in time and space. It's your ability to experience another person as yourself. And and that's one of the easiest things to do, believe it or not. 
It's your ability to pick a point in the future, go there and accurately describe it, and then come back to the present and make changes to make a better future. It's your ability to hear someone at, or talk to someone at a distance. It is remote, it's non-local. It means it's, you use those same five senses you have, but you move, you're able to move them around. And once again, this was a survival skill. Everyone, you know, this was a, a pre-verbal ability and our brain is wired to do this. Everybody can do this. Now, some people, people like myself who do it to an extraordinary degree, to some degree, do it at the expense of being functionally human. We have we have defective brains that don't orient us properly in time and space. You know, it, and I really truly do. I've had you know many neuropsych evals. I have a very no no psychopathology, but I have defective neurology. You don't want that. You know, my students will say, "Oh, I want to be you." I'm like, "No, you don't want to be me." I get lost two blocks from my house. <laughs> you know, I can't tell the difference between what I'm feeling or you're feeling. You know, I, I really have to do a lot of kind of psychic self-defense, a lot of cleaning out, which I'd love to go over with your listener, because by the way, you don't necessarily want to be more intuitive. You want less noise. If you turn down the noise, all of a sudden you can really experience your own intuition. Oh, that's so interesting. How would you turn down the noise? So can we do a little clean out together? Yes. Okay. First, I want, let's start with telepathy. And this, by the way, you should do multiple times a day and it takes a moment. Notice all the conversations you're having in your head. Now, those conversations, many of those are happening in real time. And by the way, many of those you didn't initiate. Many of those someone else initiated. So every time you begin to have a conversation with someone in your head, a dialogue, you're yelling at someone, you're blaming them, they're blaming you, whatever, you're feeling guilty and it's going back and forth, have a written list of conversations that are productive, maybe with your future partner, uh, maybe with your child, reassuring them consistently throughout the day that they are smart and they are wonderful. Choose conversations you want to have and use discipline to shift. You're going to notice a bunch of things. You're going to notice, A, those habitual conversations you have telepathically that, that are kind of a, not nice and abusive. That person will most likely pick up the phone and call you and want to continue it because they may not know that they're getting their needs met telepathically. But the other thing that happens is that when you make choices about the dialogues that are going on in your head, and there are ways to prove, and it has been proven in a lab that those happen in real time, but, but, um, but, what happens is you start having only healthy dialogues and then you can hear when something distressful comes in and you know to pay attention to it. The problem is with so many distressful dialogues that when you need to hear something, you know, like, did you lock, you didn't lock your door, you don't hear it. Um, the other thing is um, what I call mediumship, and it's not what most people think of as mediumship. Mediumship is actually our ability to, and we do this all the time, to experience other people as if we were those people. Um, that's why things like anxiety or rage or depression are communicable diseases for people that we're close to, even if they don't live in the same household with us. So mindfulness, which I know mindfulness is very big now. Mindfulness, you know, we have all these magically words. Mindfulness just means what are your five senses perceiving in this moment? What are you tasting, seeing, smelling, seeing, hearing, feeling, thinking? Where are you in time and space in this moment? And then as much as possible, inhabit that time and space. Inhabit this moment. By the way, we aren't we don't usually, we're a little in the future, we're a little in the past, we're in someone else, something that we did. The, even, even momentarily inhabiting the present gets other people out of you because you are more inhabiting your space. Now, what's the 
intuitive gift of that, the intuitive gift of that, A, your power is in the present. So you're able to make better choices, not influenced by other people. But the other thing is that when someone really needs you, you will feel immediately what they need and how to address it because you will feel it as your own need. But because you have had that experience of being in you, you'll know, oh no, this isn't me. This is someone else. Oh, all of a sudden I got a wave of depression, but I, this is not me. Who is it? And then your attention will lead you to who it is. And then you can pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm here. Or How's your day? The interesting thing is you can verify a lot of these things. The other problem is precognition. So we spend a lot of time, um, I have a YouTube video on it called time zones in different time zones. We spend a hell of a lot of time in the past, right? Lots of time there. And we spend a lot of time in the future. And the problem is we mix the future with fantasy. And the problem is also that the only time we can change the future is in the present. So once again, that practice of being fully present will make you aware of the future when you need to be aware of it. I mean, I, you know, my beginning students always love predicting things like crimes and earthquakes and things no one's gonna listen to. You know, that's not a good use of mobile attention, not a good use of intuition. Better that you should predict the market for your portfolio, better you, that you should predict what is giving you hives in your diet, but, you know, better that you, you should predict the next opportunity that's gonna come up that you need to prepare for that you're not prepared for. So when, again, you keep that attention more in the present and more in being really in this moment or in this point in time space as we, as we say in the biz, the more when you need something in the future, precognitively, you will notice, oh, this isn't just part of my thoughts and my words, this is something to pay attention to. And you'll be able to get the detail of information. So it's a clean out. Where am I in time and place? We need to be in the, is in the present. From the present, if you need to know in the, something in the future, you will. Who am I talking to? Is this a productive dialogue? Because if it's not, I either need to change my part in the dialogue or I need to use discipline. And by the way, when you start this, sometimes you need to do it a hundred times a day, you know, to get out of those habitual conversations. But then there's those conversations like the person who cut you off on the highway that you don't even know. Do you really need to be arguing with them three hours later? You know, so really, you know, mastering those dialogues so that you have productive ones and knowing how it is to be you so that you know what's not of you. Just clearing out in that way is so powerful. And there's something that's been very researched called remote viewing. Uh, and you know, the military did a lot of research in the 80s on remote viewing and Stanford Research Institute and all these universities. But being somewhere else is not useful unless there's information you need there. So, you know, once again, look at how many different places you've been in your attention, even since the beginning of this broadcast. If you could to pull it back, you know, you begin to notice and you pull it back. And then when you need to go someplace, you'll know there's a reason. You'll know to find the reason. And it gives you actionable information. I always tell my students the two criteria for any information is, is it accurate and is it actionable? Because if it's just scaring you to death, it's not doing you any good. Is it accurate and is it actionable? Wow. Everything you've just said is so fascinating and tells so much. I love how you were just describing to clear my brain my thinking and yes it would have to be a hundred times a day right you can't really clear your mind it's no. like when you say don't look at the pink elephant yeah but what you can do you know it's that the D conversations word. the conversations so you interesting choose other ones so like i i have i'm very angry at at somebody right now and i could fight all day but then we engage 
there's no winning this fight. Sometimes there is. And then I'll change what I'm saying or what I'm sending until often that person will call me and repeat back to me what I've said to them. But, but a lot of the time I'm having arguments that are just self-indulgent. There's no, there's no upside. And so I choose who do I actually want? What do I want to be doing with my attention? I mean, energy is infinite, but attention is not. Attention is limited. So who do I want to be having a conversation with? And the nice thing about telepathy, so um, I wrote a book called How to Rule the World from Your Couch. And the beginning of each chapter are exercises and prove it. And the telepathy exercise is you know, here's how to send a telepathic message because there is technique to it and not difficult. None of this stuff is difficult, you know, uh, but but there's technique to it. So how this is how to send it. And then notice if the person gets in touch. Now, one of the problems people do make with telepathy is like our minds are messy, our lives are busy. You send and you send telepathic messages through your senses, not through words, but you're sending a sense to someone, but you do it once. Now, I'm sorry, there's way too much going on to do it once. You can do that to me, and I'll tell you a horror story afterwards. You can do that to me because I'm a sponge. But for most people, if you want to send a message and get a response from them, you know, I recommend doing it at the top of every hour. You know, and it takes 10 seconds. It's not a big deal. But the top of every hour, because then you're a continuous voice. And at a certain point, you'll hit a space where that person can perceive you. I, I had a, um, my, um, my doctor died, and I haven't processed this with her yet, but she did something with me the other day. I hadn't spoken to her in a few months and I woke up um, and she's a you know wonderful woman and really really well trained physician, and, um, and and she knows what I do and and um, and we were interfacing because I was uh, helping her kind of with new ideas to set up uh, to add an alternative practice to her practice at a very straight hospital. So I hadn't spoken to her for two months and I woke up. And I had to get in touch with her. So I, and I woke up later than she woke up. So I texted her and I said, I just felt like I should get in touch with you. It was, you know, how are you doing? And she said, wow, I said, I was going to text you. And then I wanted to do an experiment. So I sent you a telepathic message because I'd shown her how. And I was, I haven't processed this with her yet. I was so pissed off. I said, you know, it's interesting that I heard it because I hear so much it's so busy in there that maybe next time just text <laughs> I, I, felt, I, I felt it was an intrusion because already we hear so much telepathy that that you know you send telepathy when there's no other way to get your point across you send telepathy you know when when um you're you're at such odds with someone that you can't have a conversation. You send telepathy when you need to really convince your boss of something that it's above your pay grade. You can't go in and speak about it. Like you use, you use these things carefully and selectively. Um, just doing it for the heck of it is kind of being on, on someone's highway, you know, uh -huh, uh -huh. Before. but it's, it's intrusive. Wow. Um, you know, you want to use these things with intention and we're all doing it all the time. But when you gain mastery of it, then it's productive. And just like, listen, if we hadn't gained mastery of our emotions, we'd still be stealing each other's graham crackers and crayons, uh -huh. yep. not getting along very well. Yep. And if we hadn't gained mastery of our intellect, we wouldn't be able to use the information of the world. So we gain mastery of our intuition and all of a sudden we have yet another superpower, you know, added to our control of emotion and intellect and interaction to add to that wonderful repertoire. And I, I really do, want to say that you know one of the one of the beautiful things about teaching is listen we have all ruined our life a bunch of times you know you all you're not alone in that 
we've all, you, the listener, we've all ruined our, oh, this time I did it. Now I've really ruined my life. Now I've really shamed myself. You know, the fact of the matter is this moment is this moment. And the next moment really has the potential to be anything you make it. And we forget, we really forget that. And we're so, you know, I'm inside a lot of minds and people are so hard on themselves. The things people say to themselves are just, they're, they're sickening, literally uh -huh. sickening. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And, and, you know, we, we really have to do better housekeeping because part of what it is we send out is how we treat ourselves because that's how others treat us. And so it's really so important to, in a way, clean your house first by practicing all of those. I mean, I hate to sound like a new age author, but you do need to practice understanding and compassion and forgiveness and, you know, not stupid self-love. If you do something crappy, Find a way, if you can, to say you're sorry, make your amends and move on. But don't, you know, don't wear, hair shirts are not in style and martyrs are not healthy people. You know, you really, really, people really need to do a better job of being less hard on themselves. And that's for you. I love hearing that. And I especially loved earlier when you said to spend more time having positive thoughts and conversations within yourself and stop having such negative conversations. Not, not even so much positive because the mind, if you fake it, the mind calls bullshit. You know, the subconscious is all about truth. But, but if you do something wrong, there is truth that allows you to understand yourself to forgive yourself, to give yourself a second chance, you know? And, and I think that, you know, I think positive thinking, and I say this so often, but positive thinking is really dangerous because if a bullet's coming at you, it will definitely hit you unless you get out of the way. Exactly. And negative thinking is really dangerous because all you see is the negative. You, you basically have blinders to what, what the potential for change is. Empowered, realistic thinking is, is really intuitive thinking. It's the acceptance of what is right now, having a goal, knowing what it is that's missing, what it is you want, and then being determined to make another choice and to continue making that choice until you've reached that goal. Wow, I love this. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The first page of a book never tells the full story. And those news alerts and headlines, like the ones we get on our phones, don't even scratch the surface of what the story is really all about. Stories are like people, multi-layered and complex. It takes some digging to find the truth, but when we find it, it can change our world. We like to dig. The news on Merritt Street, essential television. I think it's time for us to do what we do on every podcast. We do two things on every podcast. And right now we're going to go with the drink of the day. And when we create a drink of the day, we do it with our guest in mind. It's in honor of our guest and our topic. And so we have named this drink of the day gut feeling. <laughs> now, this podcast is about following your gut. So we're taking that literally with this drink of the day. I've created a refreshing Moscow mule using gut-healthy ginger kombucha instead of ginger beer. Fill a copper mug with ice, combine all ingredients, and stir until fully blended. The kombucha adds such a wonderful twist to a classic cocktail and will help you go with your gut. So cheers, and in your cheers. honor, I'm going to take a sip. 
See, I want to see you chug it and then continue the interview. Oh, I can't chug it. But it's very good. I've, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never had a Moscow Mule in my life. <laughs> I haven't either. Oh, but that is delicious. I love ginger in anything. I love ginger too. I really love ginger. So let me ask you this. Why have you chosen to focus on being a business consultant instead of doing personal readings? Well, I um, very early on, the way that my career started, and I was in my early 20s, and it was the early 80s, was that uh, an experiment that had done been done on me was televised without my permission. And I was smart enough at 22 to know I was dumb. And I had this kind of super ability, but I was really aware that, that, um, that truth isn't always safe. Truth, you know, being right, having an accurate perception can often be devastating or overwhelming to people. So for me, um, it was safest to work with companies because in a company, um, and, and I was also qualified to do absolutely nothing, you know? Um, so in a company, I am one voice and I'm working with experts. I mean, when I work for an investment firm, I'm the least educated person there. I'm kind of like the Oracle they ask a question, I don't even understand the question, and I tell them what I see. Whereas with a person, I might be their only voice. I'm not a psychotherapist. I'm not a physician. So I really did not want to do any harm. So I, I do do a lot of medical readings. I do them for doctors, for their patients. Uh, I do a lot of financial prediction. I do them for fund managers and then they decide, you know, whether I'm psychic or psychotic. Uh -huh. You know, I, I really try to be very uh, careful not to harm. Now, I do do a lot of readings in my workshops. I read my students, but I also tell them because I'm also training them you know, many of them will be do what I do in the future and we'll do it with people. I start every reading by saying, even people I've read literally for 40 years, I can be wrong. Do not give me your power. And I'm sure you've all been to psychics that were right about three things, wrong about three things. You don't know which is which. So, I mean, I, I rigorously kind of train myself, keep myself, keep it clean, but I also don't claim to be 100% because nobody is. And, and I really um, also uh, have learned to phrase information in a way that someone can reject it if they're not ready to hear it. Because it's not true that, that intuition gives us only what we need to know. That's not true. Intuition can give you a lot of information that is correct, but not helpful, absolutely devastating. And, you know, and, and I think that that's dangerous. We don't, we already in many ways know too much. What we need to do and what I hope I do for individuals is empower them to feel that they can function well uh, in their own lives. So that's why I made, I made that choice. And then also I didn't feel comfortable charging individuals what would have been a living wage in Tribeca, New York with a child at private school. Yeah. <laughs> I completely Whereas I feel yeah. completely comfortable yeah. charging a company because I'm I'm making them a lot of yes. money. Yes. And I and like I said in the introduction, you work with huge celebrities. Are you reading for their business projects as well? Um I I always go in reading for business. But even for my companies, I end up finding their dogs, finding their keys, reading, you know, uh, I, I, won't, I won't do a medical reading, but I will say you should maybe go to the doctor and get this test. Um, you know, I, I end up, you know, uh, one of the things about being a natural intuitive is your boundaries aren't that good. So I try to stay ethical, 
But of course, I always end up in the personal. And I also don't know when I'm reading because, I, you know, people say, well, what is it like to be so intuitive? And it's like, well, it's like, what's it like to be a redhead? I don't know anything <laughs> else, you know? I love it. And, and, um, and so, you know, you sit down, my husband laughs. So my husband's a, a screen and TV writer. And, um, and we, we go to all these industry parties. And actually the way we were set up is someone said, listen, you have to go to the same parties. He can be your plus one, you can be his. And he says, this is, this is what I do. You sit me in the corner of a room because I get lost in a crowd because I become everybody so that you put me in a corner and I end up having deep conversations where I'm doing all the talking and I'm telling people about themselves because that's really the only way I, I know. You know. I'm a terrible conversationalist. I know how to go into someone, tell them what's going on with them and tell them what's coming up. Oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. You must be so valuable to your clients. I hope so. Oh, I, I believe that you are. Let's talk about when you started realizing that you had this intuitive superpower, because that's what I believe it is. You know, it is an interesting perspective, personally, that I live my life from. Some of it's very vulnerable. Like if anyone close to me, even if they're a thousand miles away, has a sore throat, so do I, or is upset, so do I. And I don't always know if it's mine or theirs. You know, I have to practice what I preach and stay in myself. So, I mean, I, it makes me have to kind of cling very hard to a stable center, which is, takes a lot of energy. And I'm very lucky to have a very grounded husband. Um, but, um, but on the other hand, it does, and, and it makes me, you know, as CJ will tell you, irritable because I get overwhelmed with things. Um, so, so sometimes I just fritz, fritz out like some, too much current running through something. On the other hand, it is, you know, I can sit with someone I don't know and I can know them and feel a comfort with them and an intimacy with them that's so deeply satisfying on a personal level to me. You know, in a sense, I live in a world of people I know. There are no strangers. And, and that, I think, is a lovely just life gift for me in, in, uh, in my world. I mean, I never, I never find myself, you know, as my husband says, it's a party, he puts me in a corner and I'm in like this deep weeping conversation with somebody. And it's, you know, and, and at the same time, sending telepathic messages to the people with the hors d'oeuvres to come my way. <laughs> Multitasking is a you're, must. You're life, the right? party. You're another party within a party. Well, you know, not everybody loves that. I mean, sometimes I, I don't always know how to differentiate what I know and other people know, although certainly over the years, over the decades, I've gotten better. It doesn't always make you popular. And it certainly didn't make me popular in third grade to <laughs> say, I'm sorry, your grandmother died and she dies two days later. You oh know, it doesn't. You know, I think that when we when we're not that able to pretend to be typical, because we're all pretending to be typical because everyone's so unique. But when when you are so odd that you can't pretend, there are challenges. And certainly if there are any young people listening to this broadcast, I want to assure you that everything weird about you will make you a superstar one day, just not maybe in ninth grade. I love it. I love that you said that. So what is one exercise that the listeners can do tonight to practice to connect to their intuition? Okay, I'm going to give you my favorite. Oh, good. And it's my favorite because it's passive. And I love anything I can do in my pajamas lying down without making an effort. So when you go to sleep, before you go to sleep, write down, and I say write down because you have so many goals and wishes that you almost have to do something ritualistic to pluck one out. Write down somebody that you want to make peace with, that you want to come to terms with, that you want to resolve something with, that you're not able to in your daily life. You know, don't waste these things on just an experiment. Do something that actually will help your life. And do it for at least 10 days every night. Just commit 
that in your sleep state, you will do what needs to be done to create and what's, you know, you need to know what your goal is. And, and you're, because when you're asleep, you don't need to use your intuition for survival. You're not surveying your environment. You're not predicting, you know, you're not using it as it's survival, organic survival purpose. It's free to do other things. And you can really build your life, find your love, you know, find your next job. You can, you can resolve the conflict with a parent. You can do all of those things in your sleep. And then notice when you wake up, not what you dream. Dreams are a lot of psychological vomit and maybe a little intuition in there in the mess that you don't want to go through. But Notice where your attention is when you wake up. Who are you thinking of? Where are you in time? You know, how are you feeling? Um, what are you wanting? Uh, what are you noticing about yourself that you might like to change? And don't do it in a rigid way. Just notice where your attention goes. And then it's really important after you do that to take a moment to just Fill yourself back up in a very real way in, in whatever moment you're in, take a breath, shake out um, and, and start your day. So you don't bring that all that complicated work you've done in your sleep into your day, which I think we often do, you know, a day, a day start, you know, you start on the wrong, you get up on the wrong side of the bed. That's usually because you've had some bad travels and you haven't made that conscious shift to get out of them. So that's my favorite um, passive exercise and reading we do. Um, I've started in the last few weeks. Cause I think, I think people are having kind of a rough time right now. And, and, are needing to reinvent how they come together. So, so when I wake up in the morning with my first coffee, no makeup in my pajamas, I go on Instagram and we swap readings and we do some, some really conscious coming together and supporting each other. And it's, I don't, I don't post them. It's our private time because people post their readings. And as you can see, readings can be very private and, um, and it's a wonderful way to uh, start the day. And of course, the telepathy exercise I gave you is always is really great. Like pick, pick, you know, someone you're having a hard time with, and change the dialogue. Oh, I love that. I love that. So at night, it's just you write down the name, just the name, not how no, you, you want to resolve, but the, just. So the I want, I want, um, I I want Oscar and myself to want to spend time together again or you know i want i want to learn you know, to like this person no because that's instructing yourself more it's in dialogue so it's more i want this uh i want james and myself to find common ground we enjoy you know it's a dialogue. It's not something you're changing in yourself. That's more dream work, subconscious work, therapy work. This is literally when you're asleep, your, your ability, your, your telepathic ability is fi you're finding that person and you're working on it. I love this. This is amazing. What is next for you? I am finishing my seventh book. Um, which is about it's 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 really I love this book and it's taken me a long long time to do it because I workshop them, and I've written a young adult novel and I'm I'm writing memoir which is you know kind of a big deal to me I've lost two siblings to suicide and I've you know I you know have I have those those one of those messy stories that extraordinary lives come from. Um, if you survive them. Uh, but, you know, most of all, I'm, I'm really enjoying, you know, my, my son has, my son is 29 and he's successful and happy in his life. And I'm enjoying this time where I don't have to strive. I can teach students. I, I send them, the people who ask me for readings, I send them clients, I love teaching, but really I'm enjoying just, you know, kind of 
being in in life and not having you know not having to strive not having to make school lunches although i loved yes. every minute of that um, back then yeah. but i totally get it <laughs> i i'm 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 just uh i i'm just really putting some energy in in being fully in this moment in time space and enjoying life oh i'm so happy for you i love that your son is happy because it makes you happy Oh yes. What's that saying? You're only as happy as your saddest child. You're only as happy as your saddest child. And when your saddest child is extremely happy, then you're very happy. Yes. 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 Uh, I love that for you. I love, I love it when someone can say I'm in a, at a place in my life where I'm content, I'm happy. And like you just said, striving. I love that. I love that feeling. I love that thought. And by the way, things crash in a moment and you rebuild them because that's life. That's exactly right. When am I healed? Never. When do, you know, when am I, you know, you, it's, there's always the next growth. Yes. And I, I remind myself, you know, every once in a while, I'll get upset about something silly, not having fresh lettuce in the fridge for dinner. And I'm like, really? This, uh, this is what I'm going to ruin this day over. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so know? true. It can happen that easily. And then I'll, all I have to do is think of those babies and those little ones with their little smiles oh. and like, oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, I'm jealous. Enough. Okay. <laughs> I was perfectly content until you started with the grandchildren. <laughs> Your time will come. Yes, it will. <laughs> Now we've come to a time in the podcast. I said we do two things. The second one is we play a game of the day. Do you like playing games? Um, I think so. Do I have to keep my clothes on? You can keep your clothes on. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we always do our drink of the day and our game of the day around our guest and our topic. So this game is called You're in My Head. So I'm going to read a series of this or that questions, and we are going to guess how we think the other person would answer. So let's get started. So the first question is, do you prefer to give gifts or receive gifts? So Laura, you're guessing how you think I would answer this, and I'll guess what I think you would say. So again, the question is, do you prefer to give gifts or receive gifts? I think, well, see, I, you know, I can never answer a simple yes, no. I think you like both, but I think you know exactly what you like. So it's very hard to get you a gift. And I think that you're, you're much more a gift giver than a gift receiver. Oh, it's so true. You're, you're spot on with everything you just said. You're spot on. People Day always job. say, oh, I, I, I feel like I know what you love, but I feel like you have everything that you really love. So it's hard to get you a gift. And, and I'm like, oh, get me anything. But I love giving gifts. I love giving gifts because I love shopping for the gift for someone because I love looking for it and thinking, oh, this is it. This is the gift. So I, you're right. You're right. So my answer to this question about you is... I have to say, your whole life is wrapped up in giving gifts. So I feel like you should be receiving gifts. You might prefer to receive a gift because you are always giving gifts from your mind. Oh, that's so nice. What do you What do uh, you prefer? I, I to be honest, hate receiving gifts because oh, no. I'm always embarrassed when someone gives me a gift. Um, but I mean, secretly I'm very touched and totally afraid I'm going to cry when that happens. Um, I love giving gifts. I have something called a gift closet. My mother had one to a present closet and no person leaves my house without a gift. Oh, I love that. I love that. Do you know what? I have the same thing. Oh, I love that. I will shop for gifts to have in my home. So that it's not necessarily so that no one leaves without a gift, but I have special gifts. So I always have something if I need to give someone something when I feel like they, they need it. They need Me a gift too. today. And I you need a gift today. From, from babies to yes. like, you know, wrinkle cream. Yes. I have everything. Yes. Things I, things I believe are special. 
And when I feel like there's something, someone needs something special today, I go into the closet. Here, oh, I love that. This is for well, you. We're like that, right? <laughs> Number two, it's Saturday morning and you want to get some coffee. Do you walk to the closest coffee shop or make one yourself? So what do you think make- I would do? Oh. You're spot on. I would make it myself before. I, I Yes, I, I love to stay at home. And I believe that you would make it yourself. Absolutely. Yes. If you get me out of the house, there needs to be a parade. <laughs> I love that. I can tell that you love to be at home and cozy and you'd make it yourself. Okay, number three. When you feel like treating yourself, would you rather have a really great item or a really great experience? That's a hard one. That is a hard um, one. I think you'd rather have a really great experience. I would rather have a really great experience at home with family. And I feel the same about you. You know, I think we may be twins separated at birth and we're just going to do these questions and we're going to get exactly the same answers. I have been feeling the same way this whole time, quite honestly. You're at a concert. Do you spend... That would never happen. (laughs) So you would not go to a concert? I would not go to, unless it's a client, I would not go to a concert. So do you not enjoy a certain type of music? And so you wouldn't go, but you just prefer not to I don't enjoy being in crowded public places. Okay, good to know. Okay, so let me just tell you something about this question. Philip and I, we love music. Our youngest son is a musician. He's touring right now. So we go to concerts and such, but even if it wasn't our son, which we love to go to concerts. But what is so funny is he stands quietly and enjoys the concert. It doesn't matter what type of music, the entire venue could be like, and he will stand there and watch and enjoy and love it. And I dance to the music and the movie. Is that funny? I would dance too, but I wouldn't be at a concert. Good to know, good to know. Now, the next one, would you rather have words of affirmation or physical touch? Oh, that's interesting. That's a good question. I have not seen these questions. I'm just going to tell you right now. Okay. You'd rather have physical touch. Yes, I would rather have physical touch. But I think you, words of affirmation. I think you're right. Uh huh. Good, good, good. And the last one. You're at your favorite restaurant. Do you order dessert? You do. I sure do. If I'm at my favorite restaurant, it's an entire experience because we don't go out a lot. So, yes, I think that you do. Do you order dessert? I hate sweets. (gasps) Really? I I have to tell you, I I didn't go with my gut on that, and I didn't have, because I had no idea I guessed. Uh, no, I don't like, I am not, a, I'm not a sweet eater. I mean, give me a bag of, of uh, sea salt and vinegar potato chips and got me at hello, but no, I'm not a, now my husband, give him, give it, you know, I look at the chunky, I count the chunky monkey in the freezer and I know what he's done after I've fallen asleep. Oh, that's so cute. That's so cute. I have to order dessert. I have to do everything because we go out so seldom that I have to enjoy the entire experience. So I do. I order dessert. And where are you out of? Where do you? We're in Los Angeles. We live in Beverly Hills. Oh, I'm in Beverly Hills a lot. I would love to meet. Oh, yes. I would love that. I would love you to come to my home. I would love it. That is so wonderful. Sadly, that brings us to the end of today's episode. I have so loved getting to know you, especially in this game. You can come to my home. We will not have dessert. (laughs) Or I can watch you eat dessert. Well, that's true. That's true. So, Laura, can you tell the listeners where they can find out more information about you and your incredible books online? lauraday.com my name l-a-u-r-a-d-a-y.com everything's listed and and recently every morning you can see me in my pajamas with no makeup and coffee exchanging readings with my group and they're really you know they're people who are who are professional intuitives but also who are training to be professionals so they're amazing readers and healers who are just giving away 
generously uh, their time. And it's a, it's a great community of people. Oh, I cannot wait to go there. So that is on your Instagram page, correct? Uh, which is Laura Day Intuit. And we do, uh, we do my fourth book called The Circle Together. Um, we do the elements, which is really how do you how do you make a wish and engage intuition and intellect and energy and your life in a way that creates that wish in the course of living your daily life and improving yourself? Oh my gosh, that is just great. Well, I hope all the listeners will start going with their gut a little more after listening to this episode. And I want all of our listeners to know that they can head over to I've Got a Secret with RobinMcGraw.com for extras only available to the Secret Squad. And I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.